You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that will keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. So Stephanie, thanks for being here this morning. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what Scoop Market is? Absolutely. Scoop Marketplace is a zero-waste grocery store where customers bring in their reusable containers and then they can scoop or pour or pump as much or as little as they need from our package-free food, personal care products, and home goods. That's awesome. Um, and then why did you start the store? Well, it's probably a longer story than is necessary to share. Um, it initially for our family, it started with changing the way that we were eating and we switched to a plant-based diet. And that got me started on just really doing more research on what we were eating, where the food was coming from, how it was grown, things like that. And what I discovered over time was that even choosing to purchase things that are grown locally and organically and hopefully in season as often as possible I still couldn't necessarily escape all of the pollutants in our environment. And that was really scary to me. So the more that I went down that path and learned about microplastics and things like that, the more I started to, I guess, freak out would be an appropriate term. My eco-anxiety was definitely on high alert, even though I didn't label it as that at the time. And what it came down to was that I had no idea how to solve the problem, but I knew that I could probably make a really good effort to stop contributing to it. So that was kind of how my family got started on our low waste journey. And then after some time had passed, we felt like we were doing a really good job, but groceries are still really tricky. It's really hard to come home from the grocery store without a bunch of trash. So I kind of just took some inspiration from shops that I had been following on social media that are in Europe because it seemed to be working well over there. And it seemed really surprising to me that Seattle didn't already have a store like that. So I just made one. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to have a, um, a grocery store that better aligned with my family values. What did you do um to make the dream into a reality? Probably a lot of things and that maybe I've blocked some of them out. I started by writing a business plan, which I really didn't want to do. And I really didn't think I was qualified to do. That was a major mental block for me. And at the time that I decided I was going to do this and I got the LLC, you know, figured out the name, got the LLC, got the logo, cause you got to make it real, oh. you know? <laughs> um, my, let's see, our daughter was about four months old and our son was about to turn three. So this was definitely a long process. It took me a long time to write my business plan. And I was really hard on myself. I was really frustrated that it wasn't going as quickly as I thought that it should. Um, the word should kind of plagues me, not even kind of, it really does. I, I have these preconceived notions of the way that I should be performing or that things should be progressing. And um, I'm working on eliminating that from my vocabulary because it really causes me a lot of issues. So basically, I ended up getting some support um, with a business coach, but then also I found some software online that helped me to write my business plan. 
and really laid it out as more of a step-by-step instead of just this massive daunting thing that I had to figure out on my own. And then once I got through that, I had this, I don't know, it was kind of like a revelation because I had this very clear memory of, okay, eight months ago, I did not think I could write a business plan. I was just staring at my computer saying, that's impossible. I can't do that. And then all of a sudden I had a business plan. So that made it a lot easier with each challenge going forward. It was still really difficult. I'm not the type of person who is, well, I should say in my past, I haven't been excited about taking risks and I haven't been excited about operating outside of my comfort zone. I tend to like to do things that I already know that I'm good at as an entrepreneur that's not even an option. You get to learn something new every day and you usually get to fail every day. It's really exciting. Be encouraged, everyone. Um, but I, someone said to me kind of in the early stages of actually getting the brick and mortar shop set up, you just, you're just like, you just keep moving forward. You just keep being like, okay, cool. We'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. And I hadn't really thought about it because I guess if I let myself stop long enough to think about it, I would probably dig my heels in and say, nope, can't do it. Too scary. But I just had this thing in the back of my mind. Well, I wrote the business plan, so I guess I can figure this out too. So that was what got it moving. That's incredible. And uh, from what I understand, you were also an, uh, an elementary school teacher before. So, okay, you were... You were an elementary school teacher during the time that you were building this business plan? I wasn't. At okay. that time, I was at home with my kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So I I did teach elementary school prior to having kids. And then I've uh, been at home and been doing a few things on the side, work from home things. Um in general, trying to stick with things that I'm passionate about. So I did some baking and catering and wow. um I was a a Zumba instructor at some point because I like to do things that make me happy. So, but I've never owned a business. I don't have any experience in retail or grocery. So this is totally out of the blue, but it felt like, it felt like actually a really great way to bring my skills and my passions together because I do love teaching and it's very rewarding teaching children, but I struggle with the direction that our education system is going in and I was not happy in the classroom. And so having this platform, I get to teach about something that I'm super passionate about and I'm also, you know, providing a resource in the community for people, um, a way to, to change human behavior and things like that. So that was really exciting when I started to actually see it come together in that way with like the passion and the skill and everything. So it's been really rewarding to feel like even actually before the brick and mortar store opened, just hearing people's feedback from the things I was sharing on social media and hearing people say, Hey, I, I, I always remember my fork now when I go to out to eat at lunch or I've started carrying a water bottle or I've stopped buying zip top bags or things like that because they had been following me on social media for a year. And that was all that I shared was just tips from my daily life. So, wow. And did you know that you were going to be a business owner? Was that something that you like craved to be, you know, I guess maybe unconsciously it's possible. I've always been really ambitious and I've always been a dreamer. So at some point I did want to start an event planning business. I I did have, like I mentioned, my catering business. 
But the business side of it was always very off-putting to me because I wanted to just be in the creative space. And so the idea that as a business owner, especially as a creative, you have to be everything all at once. I don't know. I guess I was I was always pretty quickly derailed in the past. It seemed, you know, a lot easier and more comfortable and still fulfilling to I love being a mom. I really do. I love being home and baking with my kids and um that's really special. So I was definitely very comfortable in that space. But entrepreneurship came to us a few years ago. My husband's a firefighter and we, so he was a firefighter. I was a teacher and that felt like, you know, these very traditional jobs and you get the job and then you stay there until you retire. And that's not really the way our world works anymore. When I was looking for a teaching job, it was really hard to find a job. And then when I got the job, it was really hard to keep the job. <laughs> and then uh, my husband has, he has had some struggles as well. Um, we figured out really fast that if the city or, you know, the things that are happening within the county or whatever, if the levy doesn't pass and there's not enough money to pay the firefighters, that means we don't have an income anymore. And so once we figured out that our, you know, little American dream, like perfect little plan wasn't going to work, that's when we started to explore entrepreneurship. Wow. And so is he also an entrepreneur too? He is. Yeah. Wow. He's he's still a firefighter, um, but he's also a business coach and he loves working with people on their marketing strategy and building a growth mindset. Wow. So you guys are like this just like power couple, just both entrepreneurial. Do you guys help each other a lot with the business also since you guys both are entrepreneurs? Mm, that is tricky. Uh, that's really tricky. I have, I tend to be really sensitive to feedback from him. It's something that I'm working on because when it happens and I get all prickly about it, I'm like, what the heck? What is that all about? Because I, he's so great at what he does and I recommend him to other people all the time. And I've heard him, you know, do an impromptu coaching session with someone else and they get so much value out of it. But I think there's something, I think there's something in the way that I have doubted my ability that for whatever reason, I receive feedback from him as a reflection of, I, I think in my head that maybe I can't do it. And so if he's critiquing the way that I'm doing something, then maybe he also thinks I can't do it or that I can't do it well enough or that I need help. So totally my mindset issue. He has a lot to offer and I can definitely see us working together in the future. Um, but right now, as we're both building separate things, we are keeping it pretty separate. Gotcha. I, I mean, I relate to that too. My partner is very entrepreneurial also and we want to just we never, but I think it's cool the fact that you guys would do something together because we would never, we would never run a business together. Like it would just be two separate things. Um, okay. So I want to go back a bit. Um, I especially want to talk about plastic. I was just reading on National Geographic and they just mentioned a new study where they said that it's possible that humans may be consuming 39,000 to 52,000 microplastics every year, which is just insane. And it's unintentionally through, you know, the things that we eat every day. So can you talk about how does Scoop Marketplace create a solution for that? Mm. Well, that is so terrifying. <laughs> you know, I when I first was getting into this, I was definitely all all in that stuff, the facts and the scary stuff. And um, I've had to just like get in my lane of being solutions based and stay away from the 
the scary stuff because it tends to actually uh, inhibit my forward movement, I guess. But yes, so solution-based, you know, there's a lot of plastic. (laughs) There's a lot of plastic. Even if we stopped making new plastic, there's already a lot of plastic and there's a lot of plastic that we reuse. Um, We have certain containers in our home, um, you know, yogurt containers or things like that, that we use for small toys or little tools. And that can be a little bit stressful if you know, okay, when I wash this, or if I wash some kind of clothing that has like a synthetic plastic-based material, I'm releasing microplastics into the water. So there's always that like, uh, do I reuse the thing and wash it and release more stuff? Or do I pitch the thing and, you know, know that I've added something else to the landfill? Well, it's going to end up in the landfill eventually. You could just go back and forth, you know. That's and there's no my brain's like that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> there's no perfect solution. It's it can be very challenging to know what to prioritize. But basically, um, we cannot avoid the plastic. We do receive a lot of plastic packaging. That's something that's very discouraging. And when if you aren't aware of that, when you first start your zero waste store in quotation marks, um, you quickly realize it's not zero waste at all. And since I don't have anything to compare it to, since I haven't seen similar types of deliveries in a regular grocery store, I don't have the visual of, okay, we did receive this much waste in that delivery, but if this 50-pound bag of oats was you know, in um, individually packed one-pound bags, the trash would be this much greater. You know, I don't have that comparison, so... Um, But I know that to be true. So I know that when we get a large bag of a spice, I'm saving X number of little plastic bottles. Sometimes they're glass bottles in the store, but even still, if they are, they often get thrown away. So just knowing, okay, every time someone comes through the door with a reused jar or even a reused plastic container, we're avoiding one more plastic bag or one more plastic container. And it starts with one. So it's okay, even in our little shop, it's okay that it's happening, that it's starting on a small scale because we are, we have a pretty massive mission. I mean, we're setting out to completely disrupt human behavior and the way that we grocery shop, which is huge. And if we try to just overhaul the whole system overnight, we're going to give up anyway. It's too big. So I'm okay with the small steps and I know that we're definitely making progress and I know that we're part of a much larger network and community that is doing the same on a larger scale in their neighborhoods as well. And okay, so since we're talking about vendors, do you have specific guidelines for them when you're working with them? Yeah. So what I did was I determined my top priorities for products and vendors and, you know, sometimes it changes. So obviously sustainability is a multifaceted thing and, um, everyone prioritizes different things. And so sometimes what'll happen is that my priorities might change with different products. So there's going to be certain things where it does not make sense for me to try to prioritize local that thing does not grow locally. So then I need to focus on the other things. Was it grown organically? How was it processed? How was it packaged? How was it shipped to me? Those kinds of things. So we identified our business values and then identified 
how those values play out in our products and um, really knowing as a consumer, I, I am often my focus group of one. I built a store for me. So it's easy to just ask me as my ideal customer, okay, what am I looking for? And basically, I want to create a situation where our community, once they get to know the store and once they know that their values are aligned with our values, they don't have to come in and feel like they still have to go research every product. It's okay. Here's our values. Here's what they look like. Go visit our website, talk to one of our team members. And then once you know that, you don't have to ask about every product. Is this organic? Was it locally grown? If there was a you know local option or, or opportunity to work with a local vendor, did you choose that option? Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, it's plant-based. Um, no, we don't have products containing palm oil. If there's an organic option, we've got it. If there's a local option, we've got it. You know, so that is really what we're working towards is building that trust. And then, you know, we're still learning how best to vet our vendors. Fortunately, we've only had one negative experience and I did learn from it, but, um, you know, someone recommended to me actually asking a new vendor for references and then contacting the manager at that store to ask about their experience working with the vendor. Wow. Which wouldn't have occurred to me. Yeah. Um, because I'm seeking out people or I'm seeking out businesses, vendors who have the same values, business values as I do. But, you know, it may be as simple as knowing that the sales representative at that company is actually really hard to work with, or actually they don't communicate very well, or actually they make a mistake and the order's messed up every single time. You know, those are important things to know. So that's um, a standard operating procedure that we're still building as we learn. That's great advice. Uh, it's kind of like the Yelp review of other vendors to the other one too. Um, so you're talking about I'm going to go back a little bit, how we're totally disrupting the food industry and also uh, regular grocery grocery stores. Do you think that vendors at some point will start doing like zero waste shipping and things like, you know, being in bulk? Do you think that will change over the next couple of years? Absolutely. I don't, I, you know, certainly can't speak to how quickly it's going to happen. And we know that it is inconvenient for them to change how they process things. And it is going to be in some cases costly. I mean, a big part of the reason that there's so much new plastic is because that's the cheapest way to do things. Right. You know, that virgin plastic, they don't have to deal with recycling and all of that thing. Um, but I think that the more that we demand it, I think it's going to start to happen. And even as I'm talking with the point of sale companies, I'm telling them, these are the features that we need. And this is something that's going to keep coming up for you. People are going to keep coming to you and asking for these capabilities to be able to sell in decimal you know, quantities, to be able to have a scale that integrates with the um, cash register and, and the point of sale software and everything. And I, I tell them about all of the stores, all of the, the zero-way shops that I know in the country right now and all of the ones that I know that are getting ready to open later this year. And I say, hey, just so you know, this is going to be a big deal and you're going to want to be ahead of the curve because once one of us or a few of us start to have success with a specific company, so whether that's like vendors or the you know point-of-sale um, software companies or things like that, once we can say like, hey, these guys made it easy, these guys made it work, these guys are making the experience for my team and my customers just 
effortless and exceptional, that's where all of our business is going to go. So I love, I mean, I'm, I'm the storyteller here. (laughs) I love educating and I'm happy to advocate for us in that way and just let them know, um, this is really important. Wow. It's yeah, it is the way of the future. Um, okay. So we're going to start in kind of, um, how to start a zero waste grocery store since we're kind of already diving into it. Um, how did you, um, how did you get the funding for the market, uh, scoop marketplace? Oh dear. (laughs) That is quite literally the million dollar question. So I did not build the store of my dreams. Not yet. I'm going to, you know, I had a lot of people say, oh, maybe you should just start small. I said, no, that's okay. I'm good. I'm going to build the big one. Uh, and then as time went on, I said, huh, maybe I should start small. So I did, I started small and we bootstrapped it. Uh, I did make an attempt at crowdfunding. It was not a well-educated attempt. I didn't have a great strategy. I, crowdfunding is expensive. Um, it's expensive obviously to pay the fees, which of course is totally worth it if it's successful. But, um, because of what I paid for the service that I used and to put a video together and the time that I put into it, the time that it took away from my family, really, I, I love and appreciate everyone who gave. I'm so thankful for it. Um, but it was not worth my time. And I know that that's really difficult for a lot of people who are just getting started to hear because that feels like the answer, right? That feels like the only solution. And it makes a lot of sense. Like this is for the community. It's really important. We know that we need it. It makes sense that the community should work together to build it. I definitely believe that wholeheartedly. Um, but I have not yet figured out how to make that work. And I've heard from other shop owners as well that even shop owners who got more than I did with their crowdfunding, that it, it was not worth the time that it took them to do it. So that's really tricky. Uh, I personally don't qualify for any conventional lending. So that presented its own challenges. I still definitely tried and I applied for pitch competitions. Basically, I just advise people, you know, make a list, an exhaustive list of all of your options and at least explore them, you know, at least make that best attempt. So talk to different credit unions, local banks. Those are going to be a little bit easier, a little bit more flexible. Seek out opportunities for pitch competitions and things like that. I did end up bootstrapping it. We used credit cards. We used our family money. And I am at this point, you know, starting to really think about what kind of funding are we going to need to grow beyond this location and to build the next full service package free grocery store. So significantly larger, like 10 times the amount of space that we currently have. And I don't have an answer yet. Um, question. So, uh, we're more like for listeners, we're in a really beautiful space. It's, you know, you have scoop marketplace and the corner, and then you also have, um, this is the works. Okay. So it's also a workshop space too. So you share this space with them. How did you, how did you land on this space? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So Kelly, who owns the works, she and I, um, so the works is a 
creative, uh, a DIY hands-on community for creatives and they teach workshops and classes. They do a lot of really fun things. So I've taken a mending class here and a calligraphy class here. Um, my dad has taken a pickling class. They do some really fun <laughs> nice. stuff. I really want to do the, the vegan pasta class. Oh, I just saw the um, boba one. That looked really good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So much fun. So Kelly and I had connected over Instagram. I'm not even really sure how or at what point. And we just, we were aware of each other. We were both, you know, excited about what the other one was doing. And we had been in touch and uh, we were actually talking about something totally unrelated, but she had been subleasing her part of this space from another business. And when the other business left, she had the opportunity to take over the lease and it was definitely more comfortable for her to share it with another business to relieve some of the burden of the rent of this whole space. So we just happened to be in touch and I actually, I, she was already thinking it, but I just kind of said, can I move in? <laughs> And it was, it, it was really interesting because I was working on design plans for a much larger space in, uh, up North in a city called Bothell. And, um, I had been working with the city. I'd been working with an architect. I thought for sure I was moving to Bothell. And then I had this realization that the business that was supposed to be vacating that space, all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, they have not found a new place. They... I don't think they're going. Oh. Like I thought they were going to be moving out, you know, in about, I, I was probably going to be like two months from that point in time. Um, I thought they were going to move out in the spring and I was going to move in. And I just had this clarity. I just knew. I was like, this is not going to work out how I want it to. And then a couple of days later, I had this opportunity. And I was so eager at that point. I had, you know, I had completed my business plan and then I had spent almost a full year looking for funding and looking for a location. And I was, I was getting anxious, but I was also, um, I'm a little too worried about what other people think. And so I was also just like, oh, my community who's been so excited about this is totally going to give up on me if I don't get out there and do something. So this gave me the opportunity to connect with my customers and say, Hey, this is a real thing and it's happening. And I just, went for it. I just opened, I posted on social media that I was going to do a soft launch and it was real soft. I'll have to show you a picture. <laughs> it was like folding tables and the inventory that I had in my garage, literally nice. because I had done a few pop-ups. So I had some inventory and that's hard for me to put what I consider to be an unfinished product out into the world. But that's kind of been this whole thing, like go before you're ready, just do the thing and don't worry about it. And people came and I'm sure some people were underwhelmed and I'm sure some people were like, okay, this is it. But then that community got to watch this grow and they got to watch me build new shelves and bring in a ton of new products and bring in the products that they were writing down on the product request list. And that was exciting. And they felt like they were part of it. I think that's a part of your storytelling too, though. I think, um, I think I much rather prefer something where you can actually hear know the journey instead of like, I launch everything and it's perfect, you know, and I don't think people can relate to that as much. So, um, talking about bootstrapping it, do you recommend that for anybody who wants to start a zero waste grocery store? Okay. Here's what I recommend. <laughs> Here it I, comes. <laughs> I recommend that you work with a financial advisor and a coach 
in whatever capacity and to whatever extent you're capable of. So there are a lot of free coaching resources and that can be tricky because sometimes, especially when you're just getting started, you feel like you have to take whatever advice is given to you. You don't. <laughs> Let me make that very clear. You do not. I had some I had some really crummy advice from some advisors early on, which actually caused me to withdraw from some of those coaching uh, arrangements. And I, I wish that I had leaned into that a little bit more. I wish that I had had more advice and guidance, especially where finances are concerned. Um, I'm trying to decide. I, you know, I pride myself in being very transparent, but sometimes I don't like to share the thing that I haven't figured out yet. But I, I will tell you that uh, when it comes to bootstrapping it and taking on that debt, that we our, our family, that my husband and I overextended ourselves in the risk, and I would not advise that. So I think if you can do it, I think if you have savings to put towards it, and if you have credit that you can leverage in a way that is calculated and safe, Absolutely. That's what credit is for. You know, uh, yes, credit card limits are high, but it's it's all about the numbers and knowing your numbers. And I can tell you that you need to know them because I have not known mine well enough and it has caused problems. But if you keep your projections up to date, if you know what your payments are, if you know what payments you can handle, you know, in a way that is not going to overextend you or put you in a precarious situation, yeah. I mean, that's what this small business thing is all about. Um, and would you recommend since you're in a co-working, kind of like a, not co-working, but a shared space, is that, do you think that's the ideal for somebody who is also trying to start a store? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, I've heard of so many different situations with shop owners. Um, there's qu- quite a few more shop owners in Europe and the UK. Um, but I know of one shop that I, th- I think she was the shop owner was able to rent space from a nonprofit very, very inexpensively. And an arrangement like that sounds like it would be fantastic. Um, I would not recommend, and I I think Kelly would probably say the same, um, that it's been very difficult to have this shared space where we literally, there's no wall between us. It's just totally open and our businesses are so different. You know, that has presented a lot of challenges. Um, that being said, I obviously would not have built what I've built or it would have been completely different or it would have taken longer or I wouldn't have been able to start when I did without this opportunity. It has definitely been mutually beneficial, but it has been challenging. So I think there are a lot of interesting ways that you could do that, that you could share with another business in the sense that, you know, you share parking, you share bathrooms, you share ooh, sharing a kitchen, sharing a commercial kitchen. That would be fantastic. We don't currently have that, um, but that's something that I, that I'm looking for in our next space. If we if the next move isn't our own full service thing with our own kitchen and everything, I definitely want to be in a situation where we still have access to that extra expanded storage space, of a large commercial kitchen a legit parking lot. The parking's free here, guys. Don't be afraid to come. It is street parking. I can usually park right in front of the store. But if you aren't comfortable with, you know, driving in Seattle and finding street parking and stuff like that, I know it deters people. So yeah, just be really clear on what you're looking for and what your non-negotiables are. Um, That said, I said that 
I was absolutely 100% going to have a parking lot and that that was non-negotiable. Um, and I don't have that. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's go, um, more like you have non-negotiables. It seems like you also had like a vision for Scoop Marketplace. How did you create the idea and sort of like, not idea, but the more like just the whole plan of what Scoop Marketplace was going to look like? Yeah. So I have known that I want Scoop to basically be the only store that my family shops at. So we are plant-based. Um, so I know that that might limit other people's other people with a different lifestyle, but really that means we have to have a lot of package-free things. That means we have to have tortilla chips. I mean, that's not even optional. Must have package-free tortilla chips, you know, fresh pasta, um, locally made vegan yogurt, things like that, you know, and knowing that, knowing that that is the end goal, one store where we can find everything really has shaped how I go about it. So when starting with this small space and trying to figure out how do I best utilize this space, I started with, well, so I've got, my shelves are from the hardware store, like literally just drove to the hardware store, folded down the cart, the seats in my Prius and got some shelves here and put them together. In fact, some of my team members, um, ended up in a working interview when they accidentally had an interview while we were putting shelves together and they got roped into shelf building. I don't know if that's totally unethical, but it happened. (laughs) Um, and so I started by filling the shelves with the staple items that my family uses the most. So when you first came into the store and you're like, why are there 18 kinds of tea and nothing else? Well, I like tea and it's my store. So that's how it got started. I got things like quinoa and oats and black beans and garbanzo beans and rice and popcorn. Got to have popcorn and nutritional yeast. Those are things that my family uses every single day. And then from there, I said, okay, what are the things that are really difficult to find package free. So things like ashwagandha root powder, xanthan gum, xanthan gum, you usually only need half a teaspoon, but you have to go buy a little plastic package and and you often might have to go to a specialty store to find it even, you know? So those things where, okay, if you only need half a teaspoon, you just buy half a teaspoon. That's why it's pay by weight, you know? So I started just filling up the shelves in that way. Um, and then taking feedback from the community as well in terms of either A, what are the things that you purchase in bulk most often, or B, what are the things that are the hardest for you to find in bulk? Because we do have a lot of stores around here that carry bulk goods. Uh, so that was that was the need that I was aiming to fill in this limited space when I can't sell everything. Right. Okay. So since we're talking about products, what are your best selling products here? Okay, so we've got two different categories. Scoop is definitely very food-focused. That is my top priority. Um, so the foods that we sell the most of, oats for sure, garbanzo Still cut beans. Oats or just all sorts of? Rolled oats, okay. usually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we have steel cut, we have oat groats, we have rolled oats, and we have gluten-free okay. rolled oats. And uh, we also go through a lot of black beans, a lot of uh, rice, specifically jasmine rice. Um... Let's see what else. I'm like scanning the shelves right now. What else? What else? Uh, and then as far as like the products, definitely razors, 
and oh, dish soap bars. Those are very popular. Um, the reusable cotton facial rounds for taking off makeup and stuff. Wow. Bamboo toothbrushes, floss. Yeah. Oh, and we have some awesome cloth menstrual pads made by a local woman. That's definitely one of our top sellers. Um, okay. So since we already talked about vendors, but let's talk about products. Do you have guidelines for products that come in here too? Yeah, it's definitely a very similar process in terms of, you know, going back to our values and what we're looking for. Um, organic is definitely top of the list. That's a, a tricky thing with, especially with plastic. I know there's a lot of plastic involved in organic farming and things like that, but um, basically knowing that I don't want to support further use of pesticides. And beyond that, I don't want uh, to be consuming things that I know have been grown in the presence of pesticides. So organic is super important. I love to support local makers whenever I have the opportunity. It's really fun. It's really fun to meet them and hear their story and see their products and learn why they do what they do. But I also just get so much out of the collaboration. It just makes my heart happy, especially, you know, with Des who makes the cloth pads to be able to share that, you know, and bring that to our community and help her grow her business. It's really exciting. Yeah. I love that this is a space to support local businesses and to connect and collaborate. Okay. So, um, what are, what's the future plans for Scoop Marketplace? All the big plans. Okay. (laughs) Um, so, Whew. There's, there's, there's a lot. I was just overwhelmed by all of my dreams and not overwhelmed, excited, eager, uh, enthusiastic, positive emotions. So the store will definitely be growing, which I just, wow. I can't even wait for that to happen. I can't wait for our second location, much larger location. I'm still very hopeful that it's going to happen this year, even though I've made no progress in that direction. Um, nothing but the truth here, guys. Yeah, totally. I just lay it out. And, uh, and then definitely like multiple locations throughout the Seattle area over the next few years. I really want there to be a scoop marketplace in every neighborhood. And I also know that it doesn't have to be scoop marketplace. And so that's why I've started scoop intelligence. As I mentioned, I'm an educator. And when I first got started, working on my business plan, I reached out to several different shop owners to ask them, how did you do this? I have so many questions. Tell me everything. And most of them never got back to me. And now I get it because I'm so busy and there's so much going on and there's so many emails, you know, they may never have even seen my email. It's definitely possible. Um, So if you've reached out to me asking about opening a store and how to do it and how I did it and I didn't get back to you, I apologize please try again. I appreciate reminders. But I knew when I was going through that process that it was definitely going to be part of my business model to mentor other people and provide them with the tools and the resources that they needed to get it going. Because I just had this sense of like, okay, we're all working towards the same goal. So why not give each other a leg up? Like there is no reason for you to start from scratch when I've spent two years <laughs> learning all of this stuff and you know trying things and failing. And I am more than happy to let someone else pick up where I left off and just get this thing going, you know, get some serious momentum to the movement. So Scoop Intelligence is going to have a lot of opportunities for people who are interested in opening a zero waste store to learn from me 
and to learn the systems that we use at Scoop. And that'll continue to grow and expand as we improve on our systems. So I want to give people like everything, like, here you go. Here's, here's the manual. This is how you open a zero waste store because there are a lot of details that I can't speak to. I don't know, you know, the legal stuff in their specific municipality. I don't know the health code in that area. I don't know exactly what they need to do when they get a new hire and who they have to report to and things like that. So my idea is that by providing the systems that we use, you know, including like templates, I mean the whole thing, like this is exactly what we do. Then I'll take the guesswork out of that part of building you know, the business model and building the store and getting it open so that they make sure that they can focus on getting all of those legal aspects right. Because there's so much to learn as a small business owner and you do not want to mess up. You do not want to mess up your taxes. You don't want to mess up, you know, how you're incorporated or whatever legal implications that might have for you and your family. And I want people to make sure that they're getting the help and the support that they need. So um, that's another big thing that I'm working on simultaneously with growing the marketplace. And I'm just really excited about all of it. I love, I, I love this part of it, the dreaming part of it and the planning part of it. And I'm currently in the process of building a team that is going to help me make all of those dreams a reality. Wow. Okay. And then can we talk a little bit more about Scoop Intelligence? When is it planning to launch? Yeah. So I've just... Let's see. Um, in November, I did my first digital workshop. That was really exciting. I had quite a few people in there um, from all over the United States and then one person from Australia. And I was so inspired because I just was like, each of these people represents a new zero waste store. Like, how cool is that? This is happening. So that was really thrilling. I've got another one of those coming up in a couple of weeks. I actually was supposed to do one today. Um, but I've been really sick in case you can't hear This is not my normal voice. You're doing great. Um, thank you. I've been super sick. My kids have been super sick. And, uh, at about 2 AM this morning, I was emailing workshop registrants. Hey, <laughs> I'm super sick. <laughs> We're going to postpone. So, um, it'll, there'll probably be one, um, coming up, uh, and then I'll do those periodically. And that's just kind of like an introductory, an opportunity for people who want to hear like, tell me the fundamental steps that you took to open the store. I share um, what I consider to be my top three biggest mistakes that I've made and how to avoid them. And I also share things that I wish I had done sooner. And it's also an opportunity for people to ask questions because the emails that I get from people, you know, that's what they want. They want, of course, my time. They have all these questions to ask, which I totally understand. And I am so eager to help people. I had to create this format to be able to help as many people at once as I possibly could to make sure that I do actually get to everyone's questions. So I know that's a, uh, that's the part of it that's most appealing to people is that they have the opportunity to send in their questions ahead of time and get those answered. And then I am working on building a digital course to teach people how to open the store. And that's where you'll start to see the systems that come into play. Um, there'll be, you know, templates and the spreadsheets that we use in the store, checklists and timelines and just whatever I can do to support that journey. Wow. And then, uh, how long does the course, is it self-paced, um, for people who want to start a zero waste grocery store or? That is a good question. I am, 
undecided at this point. I think it's probably going to be self-paced um, because I also appreciate that people are going to be purchasing the course for different reasons and they might not be at square one. And so I don't want, you know, if I were to drip the course or something, I don't want them to have to wait until four weeks into it to get to the part that is like really relevant to them where they're at. Right. So I'm, I do believe that it'll be self-paced. Um, I'm also going to do, so I do have one-on-one consulting with me that's available through my website right now. Um, so that can be found through scoopmarketplace.com. So those sessions, I'll continue to make time every week to take those calls and do those sessions. Um, but then for the scoop intelligence community to really begin to network with one another and share resources and encourage each other, uh, there will be a membership. So a membership with a Facebook group that also includes monthly group coaching with me and other content, but then just having that space where they can come together and share with one another. Well, that's going to be a great tool for anybody who wants to start a zero waste store or grocery store. Um, okay. Final question. Um, what advice do you have for a fellow entrepreneur that's just starting or running a business? Well, the first thing that came to mind was just keep going. And something that I have had to learn throughout this process is that I can trust the vision that I have for myself and the way that I want to live it out. Because as I have gone through the process, um, so actually I'm surprised I haven't found a way to bring this up at all as we've been talking, but um, my family is super important to me. I have a five-year-old, I have a two-year-old. I know I mentioned they were itty-bitty when I was first starting out with my business plan, but sustainability to me also applies to my quality of life. And I knew early on that if I had to be in my store running it, six days, seven days a week. And if that meant sacrificing, if that meant sacrificing being a mom and missing out on their childhood, I wasn't going to do it. If I was going to have to sacrifice my marriage, if I was going to have to sacrifice my mental and physical health, I wasn't going to do it. That's not sustainable for me. But I kept running into this, probably just a mental block, but it, it felt very culturally ingrained where I said, you know, who am I to think that I can open a new business and just hire employees to run it while I work from home so that I have more time with my family? And and who am I to think that, um, you know, that I can basically, that I can have this dream business the way that I've designed it? Because I've never seen anyone else build what I want to build. I have never seen a mom run a business like this and still be the, the mom that I am trying to be. And I know all of this, like being a business owner, being a mother means different things to different people. There are a lot of really career oriented moms who are fantastic moms. And it's just not me. Like I have to, I love being with my family. So I've had to trust myself to, to create to really, really create what this looks like and create my place, I guess, in society so that I can give other people permission to do the same thing. Because if I was afraid to do it because I couldn't see it, I want to make sure that people can see me. And I want to be incredibly successful 
so that other people know they can have the life they've designed. They can be a business owner and be a very present mother and still take time for themselves to rest or read a piece of fiction that has nothing to do with business development or personal development. And so that's something that I'm really working hard on is taking care of me and allowing myself to step into the life I've designed and not worried what anyone else thinks about how much I am or am not working in my store, how much time I am or am not spending at home, whether or not I have a nanny. Yes, I have an au pair. Very helpful. Totally essential. Most affordable full-time childcare we could possibly have. Um, so find the support you need. Create that scaffolding in your life, whatever that looks like for you, a nanny, possibly a house cleaner, possibly someone to help with your cooking. Um, hopefully you have a partner, a spouse, a best friend, whoever, who is totally on your side and rooting for you. Um, but also just learn to become your own number one cheerleader. Believe you can do it and trust yourself to live it out the way you want to. Wow. All right, Stephanie. Um, how can people connect with you? All, all over the place. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm very active on our Scoop Marketplace Instagram and Facebook. So at Scoop Marketplace on Instagram, um, we have a website, scoopmarketplace.com. I have not set up the Scoop Intelligence website yet. So all of that goes through scoopmarketplace.com and you'll see the Scoop Intelligence tab at the top. Uh, Scoop Intelligence is also on Instagram and Facebook at Scoop Intelligence. And then I have an Instagram account called at the scoop with Steph. So I felt like I needed a place where I could share, um, like even just who I'm networking with. And it didn't really seem appropriate to put it all on the marketplace account or whatever. I meet so many cool people and I want, I wanted to just have a place where I could be like, ah, I met this person. We had a great connection, an awesome conversation go check out their business or I just, you know, listen to this amazing podcast. This person is like totally disrupting everything. Go learn from them. So that's why I created my personal professional <laughs> Instagram I love account. that. Okay, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, entrepreneurs. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at The Entrepreneur Show. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, hope you're having an awesome day and I'll see you in the next episode.